0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Burrow podcast here on the Burr Reviews Network. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And we got a very special show for you today. Uh, If for no other reason than we are coming to you, not live, but pre-recorded from a very snowy and dreary Lincoln, Nebraska. Actually, it's starting to shine out there a little bit. But uh, why are we getting so much snow, first of all? Like, we're, we got like, what, three inches yesterday? We're getting like, apparently, supposedly we're getting like six more between today and tomorrow. Like, what is going on?
1: It's, I am offended by all this snow. <laughs> I am hurt. I, I don't know. I called it God's dandruff the other day and I got yelled at for it.
0: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how that could be maybe a little offensive
1: I just I I mean yeah I just you know wow And it's okay
0: you can't even defend yourself (laughs) you gave up (laughs) you gave up trying to defend yourself
1: it just (laughs) it's just it's no it just it it seemed it makes sense it makes sense.
0: Hmm. Okay. oh, I'll let that one slide. We'll move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just wanted to let everyone know that we are still running our giveaway, our New Year giveaway, over on patreon.com slash Um Really, you just have to follow three simple steps. Down in the show notes, there's a link in the bio. So A, click that link. Step two. Selected tier. We have four different tiers on there ranging from a $1 tier to a $10 tier. Um, and step three is to just join. Um, we're going to be doing a giveaway. So basically, if you join now between uh, February 28th, we'll we'll um, we'll enter you into a giveaway, which we're going to give away some exclusive merch items and then also a couple of personalized gifts. Um, so we hope you consider joining that. Like I said, the giveaway will end on February 28th, and we're going to announce a winner um, on March 1st at 2 p.m. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, our patrons get a whole bunch of exclusive perks, Linda. They do. You have exclusive videos. You have exclusive podcasts. You have everything that you could possibly think of, you know, um, exclusive merch discounts, uh, percentages, you um, you know, off of of some of the merch items at, at a higher percentage than other items. You, I mean, it's the the rewards for joining our patron are never ending, and so I encourage everyone to go do that. If nothing else, it just helps support the show, so we can keep doing what we're doing and bringing you the content that we do. Um, I feel like I didn't explain that the best when we first started announcing the giveaway it was like kind of confusing almost because we were all like yeah like I don't even really know what I'm doing but we're <laughs> doing this thing that we're doing now we have a more refined a more refined script about it um but no it 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 helps us remain sustainable it costs a lot to do what we do to to you know do a podcast and to host a website and um there's a lot of time and effort that goes into these things and Um, yeah, thank you. If you're even considering about doing it, even if you don't sign up, thank you, because it means the world to me that, that you would even consider doing that. Um, yeah. Uh, what else is new, Linda?
1: Well, tragedy struck the borough reviews today.
0: Yeah. I forgot. Tragedy.
1: Yeah. I forgot my snack at home.
0: Oh. And I'm recording
1: <laughs> off location this week and oh. I forgot my snack. I had a bag of Doritos waiting and I forgot it. Oh. And as you guys know already, I like to snack while we record and now I don't even know what to do with my hands cuz usually it's helping me munch on some food. <laughs> but, you know, it it's fun. I'm just I'm I'm okay. I just hate everything right now. (laughs)
0: Um, I thought about getting some, like making some popcorn for myself. I thought that maybe I would like some popcorn. Um, And then I didn't make the popcorn because someone had mentioned cooking breakfast burritos and stuff after I'm done recording. So I was like, yeah, that, you know, breakfast burritos, homemade breakfast burritos, popcorn, you know.
1: That's a meal right there. You take what you
0: can get. (laughs) Um, so I decided that, uh, I would hold off on the snack food until we were done recording. So I also took, uh, restraint.
1: Uh, hopefully, depending on what time they leave, I might have some food get snuck in here because as soon as I got here, I was like, are you guys hungry? Yeah, you are. Um, here, let me tell you what I want and then you guys can go and get food. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Specifically from the place that I want.
1: Yeah, because, uh, well, come on. Among me and my friends here, I just, I'm always the one that has to make decisions. I'm the mom of our group. They're always like, Linda, what do you want? And it's like, why are you making me make these big decisions in life? I don't know. And then I always have to pick where we got to eat. I always got to pick what we got to do. And it's fine. And they can probably hear me complaining about them downstairs. (laughs) And you know what? It's fine. You guys deserve it. And so, yeah, so they're going to get me some food. If I have to pick, they have to pick it up.
0: Mm, That works. I think that's a pretty fair trade-off. Thank you. You pick, they pick it up. You just sit there and record. And then, you know, the the food's waiting when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Um,
1: <laughs> what about you, Jared?
0: Oh, nothing's, nothing's new. Nothing's new. I uh, did the same thing that I did uh, last week this week, where I woke up early at 10 to watch uh, Malcolm & Marie, which we're going to be reviewing later in the podcast, along with uh, WandaVision Episode 5. Um, I, I actually watched WandaVision Episode 5 on Friday, so that one I did ahead of time, but Malcolm & Marie I did not I did not do it. Me I did me not give myself enough time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I watched WandaVision last night, like right before I went to bed. And then I set an alarm to watch Malcolm and Marie this morning.
0: Yeah, I did too.
1: Yeah, we actually watched the New Mutants last night. It was between Malcolm and Marie and the New Mutants, but Lane seemed really excited about watching New Mutants, so I was like, Fine, I'll I'll wake up in the morning and watch Malcolm and Marie. So we, we Yeah, we decided to watch
0: New Mutants instead. Hmm um that was your first time watching it right
1: it was
0: how did you like it Uh, (laughs) oh no
1: i didn't necessarily hate it like don't get me wrong i i there are a lot of people that absolutely trash that movie but i didn't hate it it was just um, is it okay if i spoil it spoil it i mean it's been out for a minute
0: yeah okay spoil it do it this is your warning leave now
1: it was fine like everything was fine to me like i was like okay it wasn't like the greatest x-men movie i'll give it that but it wasn't bad but then you get to the part where the spirit Bear is like oh, right geez. in front of Danielle. Oh my god, the quality of that was horrendous. You could tell that they reshot it and were mm-hmm. and they were just out of money. Yeah. Cuz it literally looked like cuz okay, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, there's a scene at the end of the movie where Danielle is facing that spirit bear and they have a shot of the bear looking straight at her and it's like covering the whole screen. And then you just see her backside. It looks like it was made for like a video game, like Mm -hmm. kind of like a semi, semi bad quality video game. And it was just horrible. Like even she looked animated and I just, I saw it. And then I was like, and like, like kind of went away because my eyes were away from the screen for a second. Then I was like, Okay, there's no way that looked as bad as I thought it did. And then I went back to it and I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> Lane, do you see this? And he's like, Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm, so sorry. I'm so sorry, Sweetie. Cause we went to Walmart to find a game. And you know, when when you go to Walmart, you have to go through the movie section. It's just a lot at this point. And we go through it and he's like babe new mutants and i was like honey no we came here to get a game and he was like but new mutants it's only like 20 dollars." i was like if if i get a lego harry potter set you can get the movie so end of that story is we didn't get a game i got legos and he got a movie (laughs) (laughs) guess who had more fun
0: yeah (laughs) hmm bummer
1: yeah, it's yeah. it was I mean, up until that one point, it was fine. It it had enough mystery to leave me just intrigued enough to stay through it. I liked Anya Taylor Joy's character. Um Charlie Heaton's Kentucky accent needed a little bit of work. A little work, yeah. A did, little I work. Did. It was you couldn't help but giggle whenever you heard him. But I mean, <laughs> other than that, it was passable for an actually decent kind of movie to just kind for of watch film, with,
0: Yeah. Yeah, for a film that we thought we were never going to get, yeah, it wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be. I don't know.
1: It could have been better, but... Oh,
0: no, 100%, but uh, not With awful. the
1: amount of reshoots you got, it definitely could have been worse up until that end.
0: Mm. I agree. Um, well, there's your new Mutants review. <laughs> since, <laughs> since we didn't get to talk about it in person on camera. Um... You already know my thoughts on it. I have. I'm pretty much the same as you, and in, in that, like it, yeah, it could have been way, way better. But at the same time, like, uh, I don't know, it was fine. Whatever. Um, <sighs> uh, with all that down and out of the way, Linda, why don't we talk about some of the news first? I'm going to recap a couple of bits of news for you, and then me and Linda are going to talk about the Golden Globe nominations and what went wrong because something went wrong (laughs) and we're going to talk about what went wrong and uh give you kind of not the full list because i don't want to spend too long on the golden globes but we'll give you a list of some of the bigger like categories and and kind of what it means for the oscars and for the award seasons uh going forward when we return today is a great day to start your own podcast Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Mank leads the nominees of the Golden Globes list on the film side, while The Crown is tops in TV. Mank and The Crown each earned six nominations. Other top nominees included films The Trial of the Chicago 7, with five nominations, and The Father, Nomadland, and Promising Young Woman, with four apiece. On the TV side, Schitt's Creek, which dominated the Emmy comedy series categories last year, followed The Crown, earning five nominations, while Ozark and The Undoing each landed four noms. Nominees were announced across 25 categories encompassing film and TV. Overall, Netflix leads all networks and streamers with a total of 42 nominations, 22 in film, followed by Amazon Studios with seven, and 20 in TV, followed by HBO with seven. This year's Golden Globe Awards ceremony airs live Sunday, February 28th at 5 p.m. Pacific time on NBC. It will be a virtual show And it will be hosted by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Etten Blessing of The Hollywood Reporter writes, Indie film producers raise alarm on uncertain futures, survey finds. A new poll from online industry forum Dear Producers found that 77.8% of respondents called for minimum producer fees. Independent film producers, long used to raising money for movies they believe in, report they are mostly underpaid, stressed, and face an uncertain future, as the industry stands today. The Dear Producer poll asked 75 questions of in all 474 U.S. producers who responded, half of whom were women. The survey respondents are mostly well-established industry players with producer and produced by movie credits not unknowns without credits to their name. As the poll offers a snapshot of indie film production, it reveals the business predictably went south in 2020 as Hollywood battled the shutdowns of film sets and movie theaters brought on by the COVID-19 crisis. Last year, around 42% of those surveyed reported an income of $50,000 or less. But despite being pressed to support themselves and their families, indie producers, polled, responded that they still liked their work, with 39% indicating they enjoyed it, quote, a good amount, while more than 50% said they loved it. Joe Otterson of Variety writes, GameStop film in development at HBO. A scripted GameStop film is in development at HBO. The project hails from executive producers Andrew Ross Sorkin, Lena Amato, and Jason Blum. The film is described as exploring how a populist uprising of social media day traders beat Wall Street at their own game, turning the stock market upside down and shaking the financial world to its core. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough Podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It Follows, a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions. And member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind the scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. Alright, and welcome back from the break. Now let's get into the Golden Globe nominations. So Mank leads the nominees on the film side while the crown is the top in TV. Um, yeah, there are a few different categories here that I kind of want to like canvas before we actually get into anything. So for best motion picture drama, we have the father didn't see it. We have Mank. We have Nomadland, which I'm watching um, here in a couple of weeks. We have promising young women Um which Promising Young Woman is a movie that I will probably end up checking out um, in the next like week or so if I get time during the week. And then we have The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, based on what you know about those films, does it seem like that's accurate to what should be nominated?
1: Uh, I feel a little unprepared for that question. So I'm a little ashamed of myself. I feel like considering like when you look down on who they have down for best performances and you see who's in those movies, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of, I honestly don't know what else they could have been nominated for drama at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with your unlimited, like with your unlimited amount of like, I don't know, releases this year, I feel like, yeah, that's about what you would end up with. Um We're going to talk about something that's not in there, but that should be in there. And it's Minari, which is in the best foreign language film category and not in the best motion picture film, even though, um, it was a film made in America with, you know, I, I don't know, um, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, just oh. a, a, an American casting crew. I, I'm really confused at why Minari isn't there, um, why they felt the need to put it in the best foreign film, um, or best, I guess, I should say, best picture foreign language for the sake of the Golden Globes. Um, because, like I said, Minari had Stephen Yeun in it. It um, comes out actually next week, I believe, uh, on VOD. And... It was a movie that, like, again, was made in America about the American dream. So I'm really confused at all of the barriers that we broke with Parasite, why we're hung up on this one, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the premise and, like, some of the casting for that, it seems like it would, like, definitely, it's, like all the ingredients you would need for a movie for these categories. Like, especially for like drama.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you watch the trailer and you think, wow, that, that looks like a really good film, but you're not in your mind thinking, oh, that's a good, that's a really good foreign language film. Like, hmm, no, that, I mean, at least for me, it didn't cross my mind. So when I hear
1: foreign language, I think like an actual foreign film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I think of something in an entirely different language, not centered at all around America. Like, um, so it's, it's, it's definitely curious why that's there. But anyway, we have a uh, best picture uh, for musical or comedy. We have Borat, a subsequent movie film. I didn't watch it. We have Hamilton. We have music. We have Palm Springs. And then we have The Prom. Um, oh, dear. How do you feel about these? picks for uh, musical or comedy. I
1: already told you. How I feel yeah.
0: Like. <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay.
1: If I'm going to be super blunt on here, which I will, first of all, I'm calling it Hamilton is going to win. We all know that. Hamilton we know. was huge mm-hmm. when it came out. Like everyone loved Hamilton. No mm-hmm.
0: doubt. It's Hamilton. Yeah. yeah.
1: And second of all, The Prom should not be on it. Like at all. I yeah. I honestly do not think that The Prom should be nominated for a golden
0: globe it is what it is <laughs> yeah. I, um, that's
1: in my opinion i'm kind of right though you are kind of no. right um
0: i haven't watched it so i can't really like comment too much on it but i i will say that there's been a lot of discourse around you know on twitter on basically all social media platforms in the film community about why that was nominated and why it was nominated in a few different places too, not just in Best Picture, but uh, I guess you know, it's one of those things where it's like we didn't really have too much to choose from. Although you you kind of had you kind of had a little bit to choose from still. I mean, like, it even
1: merges two categories: musical or comedy. You had yeah. two different genres to pull movies out of, and you still picked the prom.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm glad to see, though, while we're talking about this category, that Palm Springs is on here. Um, Palm Springs was a movie that I watched early on in the year, and it's great. Have you seen it yet?
1: Uh, I have not, but I mean, it has Andy Samberg in it, and he's his films are sort of a guilty pleasure of mine, so I've been wanting to watch it. It's just kind of on the back burner for now for me, because there's just a lot of movies that I'm trying to catch up on
0: yeah that's understandable i um okay first of all you have to watch it because it's like groundhog day but in like i don't know it, it's like a modern groundhog day i mean i know Hath- happy death day kind of like evoked those same feelings but uh also has jk simmons in it and who doesn't love jk simmons oh, so jk
1: simmons is just amazing i love him and everything
0: yeah um while we're talking about performances, let's get into some of the uh, performance categories for this, uh, for this list here for those pictures. So for best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's black bottom. You have Andra Day for the United States versus Billy Holiday, Vanessa Kirby in pieces of a woman, Francis McDormand in nomad land and Carrie Mulligan in promising young woman. Um, I think Those are all very deserving, like very deserving performances. So from what I've seen, I haven't watched all of them. In fact, I haven't watched any of those that are right there. Um, But, you know, I do keep up with trailers and I do keep up with clips and like watching various things about movies that I'm, you know, even if I don't watch them, you know, I still want to keep in the know. And from what I've seen for each of those performances. I think it's completely deserved. And it's kind of the same in the best performances by an actor in a motion picture drama. Uh, you have Riz Ahmed for the sound of metal. Yes, yes, yes. You have Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's black bottom. You have Anthony Hopkins in the father, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman in Mank and Tahir Rahim in um, the Mauritanian. Did I say that right? The Mauritanian?
1: Uh, yes. Let's, Yeah. Let's go with that.
0: Okay, I think it's the Mauritanian. Anyway, yeah. um, I actually am not familiar with that one, um, but I am familiar, familiar with uh, everything else on the list. I watched Mank and The Sound of Metal, and uh, they're both really good. Um, if I had to say who's l- most likely to get it, uh, I, I kind of stray towards either Chadwick Boseman or Gary Oldman, to be honest. Um yeah I would be surprised if it was anyone other than one of those two um I haven't seen Black Bottom, but i you know with the untimely passing of Chadwick Bozeman, I can't help but think that they might try and you know i don't know give it to to Chadwick Bozeman just as like an honor award. I can
1: see them going kind of either way i can I can see them doing either one to be honest it's yeah, I mean, he, he is a good actor. He's an amazing actor, don't get me wrong. But I I hope that if they do give him an award this year, it's to recognize that more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he deserves, is to be recognized as a great actor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, what else do we have here? It's a big list. It's a big, <laughs> long list. Um, you have uh, the musical or comedy performances. So you have, um, just to mix them together, you have Kate Hudson for music, Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, uh, Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film, Roseman Pike for I Care A Lot, Anya Taylor-Joy for Emma, um, and then you have uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat. You have James Corden. OK, for the prom, <laughs> you have Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton and you have Dev Patel for the personal history of David Copperfield and Andy Sandberg for Palm Springs. Kind of surprised to see wow. Andy Sandberg in there, to be honest. But uh,
1: you're surprised to see Andy Sandberg on there. And James not, Corden. I was okay, going to say. Both of, them.
0: both of them. Oh, my They're gosh. Because, like, I guess Andy Sandberg didn't really do too much. I mean, he did. He was great in Palm Springs. Don't get me wrong, but we're talking about a best performance for an entire year here. Like, I don't know about that. Like, that that's pushing it a little bit. Um, are there any in there that kind of surprise you, or you know, make you uh, want to like swap a couple people out? <laughs> um, anything that stands out to you?
1: Yeah, James Corden.
0: Yeah, James Corden. I, I know you want to talk about James Corden so as bad. As soon as
1: you were like, I'm so surprised to see Andy Samberg. I was like, you do not get to say that about Andy Samberg, and yet just let James Corden <laughs> go unnoticed. Okay, if oh, no. any of them were to be on there, I'd rather it be Andy Samberg.
0: Well, true. Me too. I I mean, let let me clarify. I feel the <laughs> same. Wow. What about James Corden? makes you want to swap him off the list.
1: Everything it, like the projects that he that he chooses to be in are ridiculous. And Jared and I were just talking about this before we started recording. Like yeah. we just spent a nice little, you know, 3 minute roast session on James Gordon's filmography. Let's see. You, what did we say? Well, he got he had Peter Rabbit. He had Cats. He was in Cats and now he's being nominated for a Golden Globe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and he was also the hand with the little band-aid on it named High Five in the emoji movie. <laughs> I no one's watching these movies and thinking, wow, these are terrible, but at least James Corden's in them. Like, no. No one's saying that. And mm. you know what? No hate towards James Corden, but he no. No, (laughs) absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, the only thing that he really was okay in is Ocean's 8, and that's barely. Um, Even then, he's kind of a little bombastic and feels a little out of place, but not as bad as some of these other films. So um, hmm. if you had to pick one of those people um, in both categories, Mm -hmm. both um, both the actress category and the actor category, who do you think is uh most likely to take home the prize?
1: Um, I'm gonna go with Anya Taylor Joy. Really? I really like her. Yeah. I really like her in everything she's done. Uh one of my favorites is probably Thoroughbreds.
0: Yeah, Thoroughbreds is great. Uh it's such an underrated movie.
1: Oh my gosh. It, and it's one of um it's one of his last films. I can't yeah, think it. Yeah, Anton his-
0: Yeklin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's one of his last films that he ever did, and Olivia Wilde's in it. Not Olivia Wilde. Olivia can't think of her last. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I think of any actors' names right now? <laughs> but it has that one Olivia from Bates Motel in it. Oh, no. And Audience Taylor-Joy. <laughs> Hang on. Let me redeem myself real quick. Let me just let me just pull this up here. I didn't think we'd be talking about *Thoroughbred*. Olivia Cook. There we go. I knew her name was Olivia. I just couldn't think of her last name.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of Olivia's to be fair to you. There's
1: so many Olivia's. I think,
0: yeah, I think Rosamund Pike for the actress category. Um, People, the the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and the Academy, they just love Rosamund Pike. So I'm going to skew towards that one. Um, Also, the most annoying trailer in theaters last year or just in general was Emma. Like I hated every time that I watched like a new movie that I just saw that trailer. And I I kept seeing that trailer on TV as well. And I'm like, I don't care about this movie. Like get it away from me. And um, no, but she looks great in it. So like you're probably not you're probably not too far off. I think everyone in the actress category is you know, well-deserved, um, for the actor in a motion picture, uh, musical or comedy. I think that they're going to 100% give it to Lin-Manuel uh, Manuel Miranda for Hamilton. I just, how could they not?
1: Honestly. Yeah. I mean, Hamilton, no doubt is going to win some sort of golden globe. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. um, I wouldn't be surprised if it won both of these best performance by an actor and just best musical or comedy.
0: Mhm. I probably will. It'll probably sweep those categories. Oh yeah. Um for supporting so for supporting um actors both in the actress category and in the actor category. I hate that we have to separate them. Um I I kind of like am a little shocked about some of the people that they've put in there. Not gonna lie, um, so let's talk about it. You have Glenn Close, you mm-hmm. have Olivia coleman Jodie Foster, Amanda Seyfried, and Helena Z- um, Zengel, and all of those like actresses really strong, really strong. Um, but I personally, out of what I've seen, think it's either gonna be Glenn Close or Amanda Seyfried. I don't know. What about you,
1: Amanda? She she was my favorite part of that movie when oh, we were reviewing. Rebu- when we were yeah. reviewing it, yeah, she's just she was amazing in that, and that was a range of acting that I've never seen throughout her whole filmography. So I definitely think that she should win, and it'd be well
0: deserved. Yeah, I think I think it might go to Glenn Close, but honestly, Amanda Seyfried for Mank um i think is well deserved the one that i that is sticking out like a sore thumb for me is in the best supporting actor category
1: oh can picture. i bet who it is can oh, i guess who it is oh you know oh you know
0: who it is. <laughs> you know who it is
1: i saw that and i was like i feel like he's going to say something why
0: why? <laughs> why 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 though like no really like why is he nominated for this in this I category i don't
1: know it's the same thing he's always been doing and it's He it's like nothing new, so I don't understand why he's like getting an award for it.
0: Um, For those of you who don't know that, uh, don't know what we're talking about. If uh, you go look at the list on any you know major site, uh, you're gonna see Jared Leto for the little things in Best Supporting Actor, and I have to sit there and wonder, like. If they are being serious or if they're just trolling us with The Prom, with James Corden, with Jared Leto. Like, are are we getting trolled by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? Is that what's going on here?
1: I just... As soon as I saw that, I just knew that that was one that we were going to dive into. And from what it sounds like, it sounded like even he was, like, honestly, like, super surprised that he got nominated too. Yeah yeah i i just why
0: yeah uh he's in the movie for like two seconds he doesn't really do too much Uh, whatever we talked about it last week Mm -hmm. uh so go go listen to our podcast reviewing the little things uh he had that one poop line that was funny and then the rest of it just (laughs) i don't know um let's talk about one of the bigger ones too the best director for a motion picture real quick um you have Emerald Fennell for promising young woman. You have David Fincher for Mank. Regina King, hell yeah. One Night in Miami. You have Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of Chicago Seven, and you have Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Uh, yeah, wow. There's a lot of different types of movies in, in in here, but the thing about it is they're all like award bait. You know, they're all award bait. Uh, you have you know movies that are that are in here about the process of movie making. You have, um, you know, really highly regarded like feminist movies in here. You have a, um, a director slash actor that I love in almost everything that she's in. And that's Regina King. Like I worship the ground Regina King walks on <laughs> and I haven't seen one night in Miami yet. Um, I'm kind of upset about that, but uh, I, I, and then you have, you know, like Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And I hear Nomadland is just a powerhouse of a film. Like I said, I'm going to watch it here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I can't wait because from the sounds of it, Nomadland is shaping up to be probably what ends up winning best picture um, at the Academy Awards this year. I like I'm almost thinking that that's what it's going to be just because the conversation around that movie is so powerful and so like interesting Um it follows, you know, Francis McDormand and kind of her like nomad lifestyle, like, uh, and it's at, at, you know, one's heartbreaking, but also uplifting. And so I, I can't help, but think that that's going to be what ends up taking everything. And so it wouldn't surprise me if it went to Chloe Zhao for best director as well.
1: Yeah. I would say they're, um, I mean, I'm the same as you, Regina King is amazing And so I, a part of me just, I I can't tell if it's just, you know, because I really want her to win or just because like, I really like, it's like, you know, no doubt in my mind, she will win type of feel, Mm. but she'll win. She's going to win.
0: She's going to (laughs) win. yeah (laughs) All right. Placed in the bets. (laughs) Um, yeah. So those are like the, the big main categories. Um, We just had to kind of talk about it because it is kind of relevant, uh, I guess, Um, even though I don't think we should be doing award shows this year to, to be quite honest. Um, I am glad to see that you have like Bob Odenkirk for better call Saul nominated again um, because better call Saul is amazing and it's never going to get any awards recognition. And it makes me sad because it's going into its last season. Maybe it has a chance next year too, but I'm not really sure. Um, as far as everything else on the list, you know, you look at like the um, like the oh, where is it the the original scoring category? You have Trent Reznor for Mank and Soul, and then you have well Trent Reznor, I should say, and Atticus Ross. Um, and then you have Lud- Ludwig Gordonson for Tenant and Alexander Desplat for The Midnight Sky. Um. Those are all people that are frequently nominated by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and by the Academy. You know, like there's nothing like really interesting or new about that category. Um, I do want to see real quick if we're going supporting actress in television. Damn it. Damn it. They've done it again. What? Where is Ray Seahorn on here? Where is Ray Seahorn for Better Call Saul on the Best Supporting Actress television list? Where is she? I see Julie Gardner, fine. I see Annie Murphy, that's fine. Cynthia Nixon, great. Uh Jillian Anderson, fine. But like where is Ray Seahorn for Better Call Saul? Tell me, Linda.
1: I I don't know. I, I didn't make I didn't make the list. Oh. If I made the list, James Corden and Jared Leto wouldn't be in there.
0: <laughs> I guess I have bigger uh, fish to fry than Ray Seehorn not being nominated. Uh, yeah, because Jared Leto and and James Corden should not be on this list at no, all.
1: No, and that's exactly why they shouldn't have the Golden Globes this year. There just wasn't enough, like not enough films to be categorized in here and even if there were enough films you didn't nominate the right ones
0: yeah um i think we should have just done like we should have expanded the the amount of entries for next year's like award season um like instead of having you know five five films or five performances per category you have 10 maybe you know or seven or you know you know what i mean just raise the limit a little bit um So that we can still give people their credit where credit's due, but, um, but also like, let's make it a fair running. The prom should not be in here like at all. And I guarantee you, if this was a normal year, we would have not seen the prom in here, or maybe we would have, and maybe it's just all one big joke. Um, anyway, well, that that t- took a dark turn. Um, <laughs> um, you can just so, hear
1: the guys that put up the nominations just giggling in the dark. Like yeah.
0: <laughs> So uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are returning as hosts of the ceremony, but the show is going to be bi-coastal for the first time in history with the duo splitting duties from their respective home bases. So Tina Fey will be in New York at the Rainbow Room and Poehler will host from inside the Beverly Hilton where the show is typically held. Um, so they're kind of do that, doing this like distancing thing, whatever. Um, I guess it's fine. I mean, they're, they're a good host. This is going to be the fourth time that they're hosting the gold, the golden globes. Um, and they hosted for, uh, three consecutive years from 2013 to 2015. And then we haven't seen them really since so they're back um better than ever i guess you know it's supposed to i guess evoke a sense of nostalgia but the ceremony is going to air live on sunday february 28th at 5 p.m pacific time on nbc so if you wanted to watch it you can watch it there um if you don't want to watch it and just want to like read the list afterwards that's okay too and i respect your decision uh i'll be watching it live just because i feel like i should be live tweeting or something but. Um, yeah, Are you excited for Tina Fey and Amy Poehler?
1: I like Amy Poehler. I kind of have mixed feelings about Tina Fey. She's definitely kind of someone who's always a hit and miss with me. Mm-hmm. Um, with Amy Poehler, I just, no doubt, I absolutely do love her and everything she's in. Um, I do like how, no matter what happens, like, luckily for us, it doesn't really affect the viewers how they go about doing the gold, the golden globes. And so that, that's kind of something that I feel like we're really lucky for since, you know, with the golden globes, you just kind of watch it and, you know, it, it kind of does its thing. And I like how, you know, nothing will really affect that. Just kind of a different way of filming it. Um, But yeah, no, I really like Amy Poehler. Um, Who do you like more? Do you like Amy Poehler more? Or do you like Tina Fey more?
0: Um, so I think, um, I don't really have an opinion on this. Uh, I think they're both great. Um, so I don't really, I don't really mind. They're better definitely together for me, I think. So like seeing them together, it's always a fun time. Just, you know, there are times on SNL, you know, like it just, um, I, I like seeing them together. So I don't really have a preference for one or the other. I just hope that it's a good show. And, um, that they uh, that they are able to satisfy our award season's needs without um, compromising people's safety, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't think that there are going to be droves of people, you know, watching it or lining up to go to the Golden Globes because they're not doing – hold on. Are they – do they have a live audience?
1: I don't know. Like, a part of me was kind of, like, I was kind of imagining how they were going to go about that. Like, are they just going to host, you know, from these locations and then all the other actors are just going to be sitting in their gowns and their suits at home, just staring at their laptop and then like get like an email of their reward. Like, let's just mail the Golden Globe to you. Oh,
0: they are a virtual. It's a virtual ceremony. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yep. Keep people's safety in mind. Whatever. If you're going to do it, I guess do it that way. I don't think they're going to get nearly as many viewers, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, unfortunately that's a symptom of 2020 and the COVID pandemic. Um, okay. Um, there's your golden globes talk, uh, for the day. Now, um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about WandaVision and Malcolm and Marie. Be right back. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, the boroughreviews.com. If you like indie movies, or blockbuster movies, and anything in between, really. On our site, you'll find podcast, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Borough. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search TheBoroughReviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews. Your movie refuge. and welcome back to the show everyone we are going to talk about our weekly recap of wandavision here and um later in the podcast we're going to dive into our review of malcolm and marie but first let's talk about episode five of wandavision titled on a very special episode um this episode per usual is directed by uh mac uh I i don't know why i said mac uh matt shakeman i was reading the last name i think as well um And he's, okay, let me just say first, we haven't really talked about it, but he's done a really good job. He has directed every episode thus far um, on WandaVision. And usually you don't get shows like that, right? Where it's just one director consistently throughout. That's not how television usually works. Um, But it makes for a very consistent, like, I guess very consistent experience as the viewer, right? Because you're the The particular filmmaker that's doing this has a very distinct vision for the show. haha, <laughs> um, <laughs> ha. And, <laughs> and um, it's very clear that it's consistent across each episode, except for maybe episode four a little bit. Um, and I just really appreciate that. So shout out to the director here on these episodes, Linda. Yeah. We're going to talk spoilers because oh, we had God. some stuff go down in this episode and I want to talk about it. Um, so on this episode, Wanda addresses visions, worries when he grows suspicious of the neighbor's strange behavior. And, uh, let me just say that we're building up like to a crescendo that I think is going to be epic. Like, and I think it's going to be epic on a filmic scale too. It's going to feel very cinematic and, um, it kind of already does, but I can't wait to get to that point in the show where it feels like we're. Watching like another Marvel movie, you know, um, because that's where I, I feel like we're building. Catherine uh, Hahn is amazing as Agnes, let's just say. Oh. And Teana Paris is Monica Rambeau, and Randall Park is Jimmy Woo. All phenomenal. I love, I love specifically Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Catherine Hahn, uh, Teana Paris, Randall Park. Those people are are just great. And they have such great, like on screen chemistry together too. It's amazing to watch.
1: I absolutely love Catherine Hahn. I was excited when I heard that she was going to be <laughs> casted in this. Cause she's <laughs> definitely an underrated, hilarious actress. And yep. I absolutely love her and everything that she's in and just seeing her character just kind of remain Wanda's constant for her in this mirage of a town and just seeing her be kind of almost Wanda's safety net to keep up this illusion that she's putting up. It's it's fantastic. And she's definitely been my favorite part of this show so far.
0: And let me just say too, let's let's not lose sight of the fact that she she voiced Doc Ock. In Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I just just want to put that out there before we talk about some of the implications of what's going on in this show. That she voiced Doc Ock, okay? And we have so much hype around the next Spider-Man movie and Doctor Strange is going to show up in the show later on. We already know that Benedict Cumberbatch Mm -hmm. is going to show up um, and have some implication as far as... uh, you know, Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness, which Elizabeth Olsen is also going to be in. So let me just say that this what's whatever's happening here in these next few movies, um, and TV shows is so exciting. And the fact that they I I didn't even realize that she voiced Doc Ock until like literally an episode ago, in episode four, when I was watching that one, I was like I was like looking at the cast and yeah, she's not really very much like a part of that episode, but I was just looking at the cast list and I was like going down and I was like, Oh, Agnes. Yeah. And I, and I like looked at her filmography and I was like, Oh my God, like, Oh my God, we have to talk about this immediately on the next episode. (laughs) Um, yeah, because uh, this episode really like follows vision and, um, and kind of how he's processing what's going on in the world. Like he views everything without that critical lens until really this episode, where he starts like realizing what's going on and he does eventually figure out what's happening. Um, you know, Wanda apparently, what the episode like informs us of is that Wanda, like nine days after the events of Avengers Endgame, went and stole Vision's body and then you know created this town of Westview and kind of resurrected him. Uh, she has so much power and she was able to resurrect him, but. Vision can't remember anything from his past life. He can't remember anything outside of Westview. And the tension that that creates in this episode specifically, it kind of boils to a head. And um the whole like computer situation with Vision, um Vision and Norm. I loved every second of him like unearthing this this mystery because I think going forward from now on Vision is going to be the character through which we interpret what's happening in the show. Like, I think here, this episode was the switch from Wanda's perspective to vision's perspective on things, which is kind of fascinating. Like he's kind of the person that we're rooting for now, you know? Yeah. I don't know how you, I don't know if you felt the same there, but I felt that perspective change.
1: I liked it, especially since I, I personally, do not know a whole lot about vision and just the fact that he's been kind of a puppet up until this point, it'll be nice to kind of see who he is a little bit and how he's going to go about the situation. Uh, I'll be able to get to know vision a little bit better, which I'll really appreciate. Uh, the thing that blew my mind, like I'm so glad that this is spoiler girl. Cause I need to talk about this uh, yeah. <laughs> up until this point. Most of us, if not all of us, were kind of under the impression that there's something wrong with Wanda and that there is something going on with her and that she needed to be saved. I was completely blown away by the fact that she is in total control. Like Mm -hmm. she knows what's going on. She's Mm -hmm. like conscientiously Mm -hmm, doing all of this and i i get the reasoning behind it and it makes you super empathetic towards her and it's super depressing but i just you guys have heard me i totally thought that there was something going on with her despite the fact that she was causing this i i already knew that i just i did not think that she was intentionally doing what she was doing
0: yeah the intentional aspect of it clearly she's kind of off the deep end and the fact that she's basically tormenting these people by making them live in this sitcom, like I when vision is talking to Norm and he gets Norm to basically snap out of it for a second and Norm's like, you know, where am I what's going on? like help me like she's hurting me like I'm I'm oh, trapped like
1: that was so sad.
0: It was sad and then it makes you think about literally every single person in that in that world that she exists in that she has just under her control and you know visions like hey no this is like this is wrong like this is wrong and also we have to talk about the twins billy and tommy because uh you know obviously last episode you know Wanda had twins and they're growing up so fast <sighs> it seems like they're in control of when they can age and they're in control of their own self, which is super interesting because you would think that Wanda would be the only one able to control things, but no, apparently her twins are. And we learned also that it's not necessarily that she's creating things. She's manipulating things that are already like in reality that already exist. She's just able to manipulate their matter. Um, And so what implication does that have for her kids who age? Um, Also, I love that we got um Julian Hillard, um, or Hilliard, I don't know how you say his last name, and Jet Klein as an older like uh Tommy and Billy, because I love Julian Hilliard from The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. Uh, cause he's in Bly Manor, isn't he? Uh
1: Julian No, he wasn't, no, but he, oh, oh my but gosh. he was
0: just in Hill House, okay. Yeah,
1: he was the cutest little version of Luke. Oh my gosh. He was just uh, like he was just the most adorable kid on Hill House, and he was also like one of the saddest kids on Hill House, and it was just, oh, I I loved him in Hill House. It was just, ugh, yeah, I, I can't go into it. I'm
0: hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful that we'll get more of the the twins of Billy and Tommy, and we'll kind of see how their arcs go. Um, there also was a dog this episode, which, um you know, the, the kids got a dog somehow they brought a dog home and, and, uh, both vision and Wanda were like, Hey, you know, maybe you need to be a little bit older. Cause they were five at the time. And then they grew to 10. I believe they grew to 10. Yeah. And they like in that moment that, that Wanda was like, no, you're too young for that. Or vision was like, no, you're too young for that. They just grew up, um, at their own will. And so that's what I'm talking about, how they're able to control their age. And it, it seems like a lot more than they lead on. Um, but, uh, you know they had this dog, and and you know the dog goes missing after the drone incident that happens. Basically, Sword sends in a drone to try and basically kill Elizabeth Olsen. Um, you know to kill Wanda. Yeah, and, that uh,
1: director needs to be fired.
0: The oh oh yeah no Hayward yeah one hundred percent. Um, and he's just kind of a he's just kind of a dick to be honest. And uh, I get, I get that he's like worried about the people there and whatever, whatever, but, and what she's doing is wrong. But I don't think trying to kill the, one of the most powerful superheroes is the way to go about that. Um, (laughs) I think there might've been a better approach um, because you just, you just pissed her off. And then she comes out of the hex too, to like basically throw the drone back at them and be like, Hey, don't do it again or I'll kill you. Like basically is what she said. She was like, "Don't mess up you know my reality here." Um, and yeah, so you have that going on with sword and them sending in the drone, but uh the dog goes missing after the drone goes in, and um, you know, no one knows where the dog is. Well, eventually it's learned that Agnes is, has found the dog, and apparently the dog's eaten too many leaves in the bush, yeah, right. Agnes totally killed that dog anyway. <laughs> Um no, she did. She did kill the dog. Uh
1: I <laughs> just love how you <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think different? Do you think that she didn't kill the dog?
1: It wasn't what you said. It was just kind of how you said it. Like yeah. yeah, no, she killed it.
0: She killed it. <laughs> um and so she, you know, she brings the dog all wrapped up in a blanket to the kids and Wanda, you know, teaches them that, you know, Death is a reality and, you know, you can't escape it. And, and the kids were like, but you can fix it. Like, but you can reverse it. Right, mom? Like you, you can do that. You have the ability to do that. Why aren't you doing that? And it was kind of this, I don't know, almost, it was kind of actually like a little heartbreaking, not going to lie. But, you know, she's kind of being a hypocrite in that moment because I was like gonna say. you, you brought vision back to life. Like why, why, oh why not? and I get that she's trying to live in this reality that she's not actually like a superhero and she she doesn't clearly she doesn't want to live that life anymore you know she just wants to be in her fictional sitcom with Vision mm-hmm. and, and she just wants to be left alone and it's kind of tragic um is there anything else that you want to touch on before we get to the reveal at the end
1: uh <sighs> You're first of all. I'm just gonna warn you right now. You're not gonna like my opinion about the ending. Oh. Uh. Second of all, yeah, no, that director straight up needed to be fired. Uh, you can tell he definitely is just like reacting, kind of out of panic, mm-hmm. instead of just like actually taking to it. Yeah, instead yeah. of like being logical about it, actually taking into account what's going on, and he almost like he. Potentially, like depending on how Wanda was really feeling, he could have killed an entire town, yeah, based true. on his own stubbornness, and that really pissed me off uh but yeah, no, i the fact that they can like age at will pretty much, it kind of makes me wonder if that's like if they have powers or if that's just kind of a reference to the fact that like the older sitcoms that they're parroting. Mm -hmm. Is, like, you know, the fact that they're prone to, like, being recasted or, you know, just aging really quickly. I don't know if that was, like, what they are referencing or if they definitely just, like, have powers that may not be completely in Wanda's control at this point.
0: I think so. I do. I do think so. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's not personal if that, or, um not purposeful, if that makes sense. I think everything has a purpose here, even if we can't see it. So yeah, they might be like ripping on like the old sitcoms and kind of how, how, you know, people were just recast or, you know, how things just like advanced rapidly sometimes and, you know, time jumps and all that, whatever. Um, but I, Marvel usually has a purpose for almost everything they do. And so I have to imagine that there's a bigger reveal there, but, um,
1: And also, can we talk? I'm so sorry. Just, like, one... Okay. The opening credits, when Mm -hmm. they're, like, doing the little, like, casting announcement for Mm -hmm. this version of the show, the fact that they had Vision's makeup on kids. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: I know. That kind (laughs) of threw me for a loop. I loved that intro. I I felt like it was a little too long. Like, it felt too long, almost. But uh, I loved it. Like, clearly, there's a lot of care and a lot of love for the past and and how television, you know, has been since its inception and you know yeah. the invention of the sitcom and the meaning uh, that it carried throughout the years, you know, you you have this whole culture in America that basically is centered around these sitcoms, you know, of of peace and love and family and um and like that's carried not only through, you know, the early forties and fifties, but all the way up through till t- now, till today. And, um, those themes are still relevant in our culture, specifically here in America. And, um, yeah, no, it, they're doing a really good job at like recreating those things. They are. yeah. Um, so I give a lot them, of, yeah. a lot
1: of love, a lot of creativity is going yeah. into it and it's definitely appreciated.
0: Yeah. I give them a lot of credit for it. Um, so I, I I I've got to talk about this now because you, I'm curious. You've sparked my curiosity because you love this person that shows up at the end of this episode to knock on the door. You I love do. this person.
1: I do. I love and, him so much. But and
0: so at the end, you know, we we get to the end and Wanda and Vision are fighting, and then there's a knock at the door, and and Wanda goes to open it, and. What do we, what do we know? It's um, it's her brother Pietro uh, Maximoff that's at the door, and you only get the shot. Um, it's an over shul- over the shoulder shot from the back, from behind him, so you only see the silver hair, and immediately you're freaking out. But then you start to realize the longer they sit on the shot, that's not Aaron Taylor Johnson's head. Like, who is this? What are they doing? Like, and then we get the full reveal. It is Quicksilver, but. It is Evan Peters playing Quicksilver. Now, now I know what you're thinking. Does that inherently mean that it's having to do with anything in the X-Men films that, um, were produced by Fox? Maybe we're really not for sure right now, whether or not this is the Quicksilver from X-Men, or if this is just a nod, really, we don't, we don't know yet. Um, but I would wager to bet with everything that they're doing between the Spider-Man film, between, you know, casting Catherine Hahn, something is happening here. Something big is happening. And I'm excited for it. It gave me goosebumps. Now, I imagine you might have had a different reaction to it. And so I'm really <laughs> curious to know what you thought.
1: Okay, my dad and Lane both know what I'm talking about because they're the only two that I really talk about with when it comes to WandaVision. And I've expressed my opinions to both of them all week, like, in anticipation for this episode. Uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> this is completely, like, personal preference. And, you know, I, I know it's not everyone's opinion. And honestly they this is probably what they should have done that just doesn't mean i have to like it uh Mm. i love evan peters i love him so much he's an absolute adorable little guy and he's a sweetheart and i just all i'm saying i'm trying to be so careful about this i love him But I like Aaron Taylor Johnson's portrayal of Quicksilver better.
0: Ooh, now that is a spicy take.
1: I prefer his portrayal of Quicksilver, and I blame this completely on how they wrote the character between the two films that they were in, like the couple of films that they were in between Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson's with Evan Peters. I just feel like they made him a little too cocky to be likable for me with Aaron Taylor Johnson. That cockiness is still there, but it's a very thin layer underneath all the charm that Quicksilver has for me. Quicksilver is one of my favorite X-Men because he's just, he's great. But I feel like they just went a little too a little too egotistical for my taste for the Quicksilver that they had in X-Men. That's all I'm saying. I love both of the actors that play them. Like Aaron Taylor Johnson, he was in Kick-Ass, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I absolutely love him as an actor. I absolutely love Evan Peters as an actor as well. Just between the two portrayals, I liked Aaron Taylor Johnson's better. And I kept telling them all week, like, it better be Aaron Taylor Johnson's. And in my heart, I knew that it wasn't going to be him. But it really did not help with that heartbreak.
0: Oh, no. I, just,
1: <laughs> I fell apart so bad. I was like, that's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. And, yeah, I knew that they were going to do the Evan Peters one. My, I just, my head was just telling me. Don't worry, they're going to have your boy. And they had my boy, just the wrong one.
0: Oh, no. Oh, poor Linda. <laughs> it
1: just upset me a little bit. I know where they're going with this, and I know that this was like what they should have done, what they had to do. It just doesn't make me any less upset. That's all. That's, that's
0: it. You really don't think that um, there's a possibility here where they do both?
1: I'm so scared that they won't. I really want them to, because I would love to see Aaron Taylor Johnson come back and just have that reunion between him and Elizabeth Olson. Because together they were fantastic Oh, oh my god. Oh god. I am so sorry. Uh <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh Lane came in the room and oh my god, he scared the crap out of me. Oh, he brought food, I hear it. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, but I'm just, I am not sure what they're going to do. And that's what's been frustrating me so much with, with this. And it'd be cool if they brought both of them back. I'm just, I think the thing that's really holding me back is the fact that I don't know if Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to want to come back.
0: Yeah. Like I feel like if he doesn't.
1: Yeah, and I feel like if if he doesn't come back, that's probably going to be the reason why. Like they'll ask him to to come back and make another appearance and he's not going to want to. Which is fine. Like if he doesn't want to come back, that's that's on him. But that would just that would upset me. Mm. But if he wants to break my heart, that's fine.
0: (laughs) Um yeah. No, I'm excited. Uh, I I think that you're still excited on a certain level. You're just I am. It's you just, just yeah. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Um. Yeah. No, I'm excited to see what that means going forward for the show. Obviously, Doctor Strange is going to show up at some okay. point. Who knows what's going on here? Doc Ock killed the dog. Um. I I, I don't know what's happening, and I almost have to wonder if. Spider-Man 3 is also going to be affected by well it is. It, it's going to be affected by whatever happens in this show. But could you imagine like a blended Spider-Man movie with like half-animated Doc Ock played by Katherine Hahn? I and, was like, actually just
1: I was I, just about to ask you that. Like, do you think that this is gonna lead up to her being revealed as Doc Ock just messing oh, with it Wanda? It has
0: to be. It has to be. And like, and I just uh Oh, it's so exciting! It's so exciting! Ooh, ooh, ooh! Uh, I can't, I can't wait. And I love how like weird the show is too, and that they're able to do like these huge reveals, like in in a show. It just, it just goes to show you how much faith they have in the project. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm waiting for Marvel to to fuck up big time, and they haven't yet. So it's coming at some point. We're going to be disappointed, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be yet. I think they're still riding that that high.
1: Just like god, I feel like they get a kick out of just withholding stuff from us. They're just they like, do. "Oh, yeah, yeah." Like I almost have like a theory that they just take theories from bands and they just kind of pick and choose from each one like, "Oh, let's do that one. Let's do that one." You know, they're just keeping us on the edge just enough to where we're the ones coming up with all this stuff. Yeah. It's all a big conspiracy.
0: <sighs> Probably, um, but I, you know, hey, I'm not mad at it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, why don't we move into our last discussion of the day, which is Malcolm and Marie, because uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. We're going to touch on it a little bit. Um, obviously, huge stuff happened in Wandavision, so we had to talk about it. Um, but I still want to talk talk about the movie that we were reviewing for today, and that's Malcolm and Marie. So we're going to do that when we come back welcome back from the break everyone we are going to talk about malcolm and marie it is a quarantine film that was shot um in 2020 from writer director sam levinson and it follows a director and his girlfriend's relationship that is tested after they return home from a movie premiere and await the critical response you
1: know what malcolm i feel like once you know someone is there for you and once you know they love you you never actually think of them again until you're about to lose someone, that you finally pay attention. Well, what is it, Marie? What do you want? Really? Do You want to go there? Yes.
0: Okay. Want control? Because you can't imagine the reason I'm with you is because I love you. Everything that you've been through, everything—that's
1: what made you you. The girl that I love. The girl that I fuck with. All I
0: wanted tonight was thank you, Malcolm. That is it.
1: You know that I'm thankful. You know that I made a mistake. So why
0: turn it into something more? Because about how you see this relationship. Look at me. I'm the last person standing. I don't you. Hold on to me for dear life. It stars John David Washington and Zendaya. And that's all you need to know about the film because really that's all there is here. Um, you have truly a a, um, a quarantine film that's probably going to be looked at as an example of how filmmakers were able to you know subvert the industry and keep making films even after the pandemic struck. Um, everyone was like tested, COVID tested before shooting, and it wasn't a very long shoot. I want to say it was like um, like a couple weeks, and uh, so it really wasn't that intense. And um, we got a film out of it. Uh, we got a film out of it, Linda. Right off the bat, let me just ask you: Do you like this film?
1: Um, I, mm, I don't think I do.
0: Oh, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I don't. I won't watch this film again, um, not because I hated it or anything, um, but there's no need to, right? It's yeah. kind of one of those films. It's like it's like okay, well, you did it and you did it well enough, but there's no reason to revisit this, and um,
1: and I think that's what's like tearing me apart a little bit when it comes to this movie. Like, there's just I don't really know what to take from it. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you made this movie, you had the screenplay. I mean this movie is literally personified version of your quote. It is what it is. Yeah. Like that's, that's the only thing I can make from this film is it, it is what it is. It was just a couple fighting at 1am about the relationship while they're waiting for the review of John of Malcolm's movie after the premiere.
0: Mm Hmm. And there's been also, let me just canvas, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this movie. Um, obviously, writer director Sam Levinson is, is white, and we have two, um, you know, we have two people of color in the, in the film as the stars, you know, John David Washington and Zendaya. And the way that these characters talk about certain issues has come under fire. And also, um, let's not forget the age difference of 12 years between John David Washington and Zendaya has also caused a lot of controversy. So this is a film that kind of was hyped up when the initial trailer like released. Right. And then the moment that people started actually watching it, they're like, mm, I don't know if I like it that much. And I don't have as strong of a reaction to Kind of the controversy, as some people do, I understand where where it's coming from, not the age difference thing that I don't understand. Um, but you know, I guess the way that Levinson captures these issues and talks about the issues and it, obviously there's a discussion to be had there about who gets to tell what story, but we're not going to get into that discussion today. I'm just letting you know that it, it exists. Um, what we are going to talk about is the way that it was shot. Uh, so you have this like beautiful, like crisp black and white film um, that really, like I think, accelerates the the plot of the of the movie. Right? Um, there, they make references in the film to to jazz and and how jazzy a film is, and this is a jazzy film a little bit. Um, if for no other reason, then you have, you know, some of the tropes of jazz, you know, obviously there's jazz and instrumentals, but it's a black and white film. You have the whole smoking and the whole, you know, basically they don't abuse drugs here, but you have the implication of people abusing drugs. And like, so you do have this kind of like this jazzy kind of like setting, I guess, for the film where it's stripped back just two characters talking back and forth, each having monologues, Um, it's shot really well. The performances are great Zendaya's performance is probably what for me anyway, what elevates the film a little bit um, above just an average film because otherwise this is a pretty average film, but Zendaya and John David Washington together with those long monologues and and like all of their conversations. And you have these really like tight close-ups and intimate moments between these two. You're not supposed to be seeing this, you know. Yeah. I think of this like a movie that you watched the premiere, right? And you watched how happy they were together at the premiere. And then, you know, the part that we're seeing here is the part that you're not supposed to be seeing, which is after the premiere and the fighting and the arguing and the toxicity, between the two characters like we're not supposed to be seeing that and he he accentuates those features using tight frames and using you know two shots and and a bunch of other techniques that um are effective you know you have this distance but also this proximity like they can't escape each other in this house and it really makes for kind of an interesting viewing experience i was totally on board for the first like 40-ish minutes of the movie, really. Like, I I was really digging it. And then it kind of just gets bogged down in its own self-indulgence and kind of repeating the same tropes. So for me, that's kind of my review of it. Um, How did did you feel?
1: It was a very interesting concept. Like you said, it was like looking at a relationship from behind the curtains, you know, like, Probably to everyone else, they're, you know, the perfect loving couple. And we're and the part we get to see is how they really are to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, As much as some people might not want to hear. I found it really good. Like, you know, they are fighting this whole time. And it's like they keep trying to break up with each other. But it's like no matter how bad things are they just can't find a way to separate themselves from each other and to me like compared to like other like other relationships portrayed in movies uh whether it's a good thing or a bad thing it is definitely a more realistic representation of a relationship that i've seen on film as opposed to you know other regular like romantic dramas that you've seen out there like, sometimes it's, like, just not as easy to mm-hmm. to split than uh, other, you know, other films and other shows might show. Uh, but so I, I did like that and, you know, in the way that it's realistic. <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, like, I can see how some people might find it to drag on because it, it doesn't stop. You know, it kind of it elevates a lot. Like in the beginning, they have their first conflict and then it's fine. And then it kind of escalates a little bit more and then it's fine. It just goes up and down, up and down over the course of almost two hours. And so yeah. I, I can, I can see some people probably getting bored during like the more slower parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's definitely just more to it. Just, you know, keep watching. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just, there's it fine. Yeah, there's not much to say about it. It's just kind of just watching this relationship unfold on itself a little.
0: Yeah, I, um, like I said, I watched it fresh before I started recording the podcast and, uh, and you did too. And so like, we're still sitting on it. Um, I think my initial like rating is a 7 out of 10 or a you know 3.5 out of 5. Um I'm not sure where you stand but I could definitely have the potential of lowering my score the more I sit with it. I don't know about you.
1: I would say about a 6 out of 10. I mean, I don't yeah. regret watching it. I don't feel like it was a waste of my time. It was it was interesting. It's just definitely not a movie that I would look at and want to watch again.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. And yeah, that's what I meant by like dropping my score. It would be a six the next time I dropped it. I don't think it's an average film. I think it, you've still got good performances there. God, without those performances though, this would have been atrocious. Oh. Like this would have been so self-indulgent and I I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Um, some of the script is repetitive and kind of log because because John... John David Washington's character just talks about the same thing over and over and over again. Like Malcolm is just going on and on and on about this white critic from the LA times, which, you know, according to a lot of people, um, is a real person that Sam Levinson is like attacking there. Um, this critic from the LA times that gave assassination nation, a bad review. Uh, and I, I, you know, a lot of people are speculating that he's just attacking her. And it honestly, it kind of seems like it like it's okay to make, you know, the joke a couple of times, but then you just keep going on and on about the same yeah. person. And it kind of seems a little pointed. Um, But uh, yeah, I won't even touch on that. That again, that's just conjecture. But I'm saying that there's been a lot of like controversy surrounding this film. And like, so how do you like review it without mentioning all of those different things but just we're the the way that we're talking about this film is on a very basic like film level like how was it made like is it effective and i think it's effective to a certain point but the script um prevents it from being you know really like any more than just you know mildly effective because it could have been could have been really intense and it, it was at different parts right um right but it just didn't re- reach its like full potential and uh so that's unfortunate but you know still better than the little things in my opinion so <laughs> and i will um, give them
1: that i feel like on paper marie probably was portrayed as overly emotional and malcolm as just like a selfish equal equal egotistical like asshole and thanks to Zendaya and John David Washington they at least brought a little bit more depth to their mm-hmm. characters to make it you know Yeah. so then it's not just that but yeah I feel like it, and they did the best they could
0: they probably did. You're probably not wrong there. Um, so there you have it. The Malcolm and Marie review. We were really excited for this movie. Bummer. Um, kind of. Not not really. A little bummer. A little bummer because we expected more, but not a bad film, I think, is the consensus that we both have. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you have it. Um, we're going to take – I know, I know. I'm going to say it again. We're going to take one more break, Um, but then we're going to be back and we're going to tell you a little bit about what you can stream um, through the week here that debuted over the weekend. And um, yeah, we'll return in a minute. I'm sure, you know, by now, but we have our own YouTube channel there. We upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal and it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search The Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, everyone, welcome back from the break. Um, Let's tell you a little bit about what's streaming this weekend, courtesy, or I guess not this weekend, but what streamed over the past weekend, courtesy of the uh, Los Angeles magazine, LA Mag. Um, So obviously, we just had a whole review and a whole conversation about Malcolm and Marie, but it did debut this weekend. So if you're wanting to check that out, um, it is on Netflix currently. We also have Son of the South, which is produced by Spike Lee and edited by longtime Lee collaborator Barry Alexander Brown. Um, Son of the South is based on the memoirs of Bob Zellner, a white man who became a civil rights activist in 1960s Alabama, and that you can find on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and Vudu. And finally, we have uh, Framing Britney Spears, which is an in-depth look at a troubled pop icon. This is a documentary, um, and it's... One of the first to delve into her legal struggles and um, conservatorship, we spoke to the film's director. I I say we as in L.A. Mag spoke to the film's director, um, Samantha Stark, earlier this month, but it'll debut on um, FX and Hulu. So um, are you going to check out Son Son of the South or Framing Britney Spears at all? I think if I was going to check out any of them, it would be Framing Britney Spears.
1: Yeah, definitely framing Britney Spears. I've been following that story for so long now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's me too. Insane. Um, so I'm really interested to see what they've dug up. And, you know, I probably will actually read the interview that LA Mag did with um, the director just because I'm curious to know her perspective on the whole matter. But uh, those are new um, to streaming this week. So if you're bored at any point on a Tuesday night, go ahead and pop one of those on and just check it out. Um. Well, well, Linda, we made it to the end. Woo! You can eat. I can eat. <laughs> I think that's what we're both waiting for. Let's be honest.
1: Oh, I I shoveled a couple of fries in my mouth during the break.
0: Oh, of course you did. That's why. I,
1: that's <laughs> why I was like, "Oh my god, that's so good!" Did you not hear that? No, I didn't. Oh god, it was it was such a good fry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous, but I'm getting a breakfast burrito, so ha.
1: Well, I have fries and a sandwich and my cherry Pepsi.
0: I just love French fries. Oh,
1: I'm I got just... some ranch. I'm super excited to try that out.
0: Yeah, it's you've got it all set bunch. up. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's look ahead at the rest of the month. What do we got, Linda, um, as far as projects that are releasing um, that we'll want to talk about on the podcast? Just to inform everyone. Obviously, we'll have WandaVision episode um, 6. Uh, we're going to talk about that next week. Um, but I wanted to kind of canvas the rest of the films that we have for the rest of the month. So there's a couple of things next weekend that are coming out. I'm not sure if you want to tackle any of them. We have Minari. We have The French Exit. Um, both of those are Golden Globe-nominated films. We have To All the Boys. Eh? Forever and Always? Eh? If you want to talk about To All the Boys? Um, no. If you really want to. Sure. <laughs> um, to be honest i think for the next 2 week 2 weeks there's not really much that on the film front that we'll probably like talk about um i'll probably watch minari and nomadland but i may do like a film review on the site at the com for that um either one of them really but uh we do have and oh by the way i we are reviewing all the boys um forever and always on dead of night it's our exclusive podcast that we do bi monthly over on our Patreon. Um, We do it for the hereditary tier. So for the $5 tier, you get that exclusive podcast and we'll be reviewing that film on that podcast. So if you're interested in that, sign up to be our patron. And then you'll also be entered into that giveaway that I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, full circle, full circle. Um, (laughs) The week after that, the week of the 26th, we have Tom and Jerry and we have Mm -hmm. Cherry. So we have both of those at the end of the month here, and you bet your bottom dollar we're talking about at least one of those, because um, I think Linda would be pretty disappointed if we didn't talk about at least one of them.
1: Um, well, if we're going to be talking about either one of them, it better be Tom and Jerry.
0: <laughs> we can talk about Tom and Jerry. That's fine.
1: I gotta got to warm up my animated movies until that new Space Jam comes out.
0: Oh yeah, Space Jam! It'll be such a great movie. Um, I
1: do not talk about it in that sarcastic tone. Ooh, ever I'm so again. sorry. <laughs> it
0: <laughs> is Space you.
1: Jam. It is bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us. Okay, oh, oh. it's Space Jam.
0: Whoa!
1: Okay. okay. Did you guys hear him? That attitude is not going to help him enjoy Space Jam.
0: <sighs> yeah. Oh well. Deal with it. Oh my. Deal God. with it.
1: He made me watch the little things.
0: But <laughs> you apparently, to watch little things. <laughs> I
1: can't make him watch Space Jam. Some bull. We can
0: watch Space Some Jam bull. and Tom and Jerry. We'll do it. Jerry. Fine, we'll do it. Yeah, forget Cherry. <laughs> we'll 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 tackle those. How about that?
1: Okay. Well, I don't um, have Apple TV, so I don't even think I'll be able to see Cherry.
0: Yeah, I have Apple TV, but. Uh, oh, then that's I guess fine.
1: I'm gonna have to crash at your place.
0: <laughs> um, Covid, Linda, Covid. Although I do have your gifts here still, so maybe. Um, still oh yeah, give I need your get gifts. Your gifts. Um, yeah, we have to do an exchange still. That's how far behind we are on, <laughs> on Christmas, everyone. We're months away from Christmas, and uh, we still have not given each other gifts yet. Um,
1: well, keep in mind the last time we saw each other was back in October for the film festival. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That's got to be changed. Oh, I know. I know. Without the guilt of being like, I shouldn't because of COVID. Yeah. I'll just wear um,
1: a mask when I come over. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah, it'll be fine. Six feet apart.
1: Yeah. I'll just um, chill with Henry and Lily on the other side of your apartment.
0: <laughs> We've rearranged the whole apartment, too, from when you were here. Again? Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Jerry. We keep doing it. <laughs> keep your stuff still.
0: I have a problem with it. Nothing you know is, about that.
1: I know. Just, uh, <laughs> I I also know your problem with like starting stuff and like making sure that it gets finished because if it's incomplete, it's just going to drive you nuts.
0: Yep. Sure is. Yeah, I can't even take a break to eat the podcast. I'll probably have to eat while I'm editing because I can't take a break for one second. Um, oh, yeah, that's just how I am, everyone. It really that's is. That's just how I am. Um, So, yeah, we're going to come back next week. We're going to talk about WandaVision. We're going to talk about all of the Super Bowl trailers that we're going to get today because we're recording on Sunday. And then, you know, um, whatever else may come up throughout the week and news, we'll talk about that. But um, with all that down and out of the way, you all have a great rest of uh, your week. And hopefully and hopefully it's not snowing wherever you are like it is here (laughs) Um, because I'm about (laughs) sick of it. But anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a good week.